The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. How long do we go for? I don't know. What else happens in that song? He raps. It's a classic '90s feel good about yourself rap. Okay, what? Cool pants. Yeah, and yeah, he does have the coolest pants. I'm not even wearing pants. I got shorts on. I'm jealous. Today. If you know the connection, you know the connection because welcome, you're listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm one of your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Back in the saddle. Back in the saddle <laughs> together again. Um, <laughs> We're talking about Warhammer, MC Hammer, 40K cards. <laughs> 40,000, Jimmy. Oh, yeah, 40,000, sure. Whatever. Warhammer, 40K, <laughs> Commander Pre Constructed decks. They've arrived. They're out. You've probably seen the new game nights about it. They got a ton of spicy new cards. These decks are crazy because there's 40 new cards each. So many. It's like the first days of Commander all over again. Yeah, so it kind of feels like it's a whole set. We decided we're not going to do a full-on set review of every new Legendary and every new card for this. What we're going to do in this episode is just kind of talk about our favorites from the set, because we've got Infinity we've got to move on to, and then right away, Brothers War is right around the corner. So yep. yeah, we are not going to do full coverage like we we have done for all the sets in the past, um, just because there's not time. And you know, I think the, four, the Warhammer 40k, there's a lot of cool stuff, but there's not, you know, we don't need to talk about 80 of the cards or something. I think 20 is going to probably do it. Yeah, and of course, the discussion always continues online. We talk about cards on Twitter, in the comments below as well. And there's lots to cover. So we're just going to talk about some of our favorites. And, you know, a place you might want to go if you want to pick up some of those favorites. Uh-huh. Or if there's a card that you didn't even know existed until this episode. Well, cardkingdom.com slash command has got you covered. Card Kingdom is our sponsor for the show. By buying products from them, by using the affiliate link, you're also supporting Game Nights, Commands on all the stuff we do here at the office. And you're going to get the cards you need really quickly in great condition and with awesome customer service. One of the things we always hear about Card Kingdom is that if something is wrong, something goes awry with with an order, they are very quick to fix it and to hear what has happened and help out. And that kind of service, you know, it goes with a trusted name. And that's why we've been sponsored by Card Kingdom for so long. Yeah, they really do go above and beyond. And the other really big thing I think about Card Kingdom that's like top of mind when somebody says the name Card Kingdom that I think of is shipping speed. Yeah, they get you cards the fastest. If you know you're going to be playing, you know, next Wednesday, Commander with your pals, and you've built a new deck online and got the list. If you order through Card Kingdom, they're going to get you the stuff faster than anybody else, and you'll have it in time for your Commander Night or whatever. And of course, once you get the cards, you want to make sure they stay in really good condition. Ultra Pro is the game accessories brand that Jimmy and I trust our own collections to. We want Eclipse Sleeves. We want mm-hmm. Mythic Collection deck boxes, Satin Towers, Ultra Pro playmats. Ultra Pro even makes wall scrolls to go in your game room. They make awesome uh, Eclipse Dice, actually, is kind of a newer thing. It's not super new. They've probably been doing it for about a year or so now. <laughs> I just started using their Planeswalker Dice, too. Really. Oh, yeah. They have the, the with the Planeswalker symbol. They yep. look really sweet. Yeah, I love the Eclipse Dice because they're super crisp and clear. And we they, use them on game 
game nights, right? Yep. Great for uh, if you do content or if you play over spell table, something like that. Ultrapro.com slash command is our affiliate link for them. They have a direct-to-consumer e-commerce site now, which is great because if you can't find an item that you know Ultrapro makes at your LGS, well, you can probably find it on their online store, and they also have tons of discounts and sales all the time. Ultrapro.com slash command. Check it out. You, you won't be sorry. All kinds of cool deals. I just got five binders for a really great price. Gonna upgrade that collection. That's awesome. Uh, gonna organize that collection. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. organize the collection into mana. I got now my lands in one place. Okay. Patreon.com slash command zone is the last way to support the show. It's directly. We love our patrons. There are an immense amount of benefits, and the only way you can find out about them is by getting them and signing up at Patreon. We're not gonna talk about all of them now. In fact, we're just gonna shout out one lucky patron who gets a shout out every single episode. So this week's episode is dedicated to Robbie, Robbie Strickland. Strickland. Robbie, you rock. Robbie. Thanks, brother. The way you worded that made it sound like Robbie gets a shout out every he single does. episode. He does. In my heart. <laughs> he should. Robbie should. <laughs> yeah, he does. We shout out a different random patron every single episode. And Robbie. Okay, yeah. moving on. Our favorite cards from Warhammer 40k, the pre-constructed sets. Yeah, 168 new cards total. That's Crazy. a whopper. Crazy amount. So, shall we just dive in? Yeah, so Jimmy and I just sort of picked our favorites that we're going to talk about from the set. Could be legendary creatures, could go in your 99. We're going to go through them in no particular order, as our our tablet rings here. Um, yeah, we're just going to go through the stuff we thought looked cool and sort of what we see with each of the cards. And yeah, let's just start, Jimmy. Let's start this off one's yours. with Vexilus Praetor. Praetor, I thought that was a, a magic thing. Turns out it's a multiple thing. Yeah. Uh, three and a white for a 3-4 Custodes Warrior with Flash and Vigilance and an ability called Aegis of the Empire. Commanders, you control have protection from everything. That's it. That's the card. It is granting the progenitus effect of protection from everything to your commander at instant speed for mana. Pretty great. Yeah. Protection from everything is useful in a lot of ways, too, because protection is different than hexproof. Yep. Yeah. I mean, so, it, it also can be bad, I suppose, if you want to, like, put an aura on you. Yeah, that's right. A way to remember that I learned online is uh, by the word debt, D-E-B-T, so you cannot be damaged or enchanted slash equipped or blocked or targeted. So if you play Light Paws, do not play Vexilus Praetor. That would be bad. Yeah, it would be very, very <laughs> And the auras bad. that are on there now will fall off if you've given protection from the color of those auras. Yep. Yeah, it'll just pop on and then shed everything else the moment that it gets those protections. So you don't want that to happen. But the good side of this is that basically it's very hard for your opponents to interact with your commander now in any way. They you can block anything coming at you. You won't take damage from that creature. So if they got a 10-10 and your commander's a 2-2, as long as it doesn't have trample, you're just going to block that for free because you'll have protection from whatever colors they are, everything. Yeah, and your commander will be able to attack through pretty much everything. So Yeah, they can't even block it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, think about like any of the swords. It gives protection and so often it's like swing at you. And it's like, uh-oh, nothing on my board can block that. Yeah. Um, I think any creature-based decks, especially combat-based decks, because it's really important for your commander to stay alive for more than one turn in those decks. Like, Light Paws can't do what it... Well, bad example, but a creature that wants to kill you has to do so over multiple combat steps. Yep. Um, I also think this is going to be really good in sort of Boros decks because the way red usually wipes the board is damage-based. Yeah, totally. So a, a regular board wipe, like Wrath of God will still kill a creature that has protection from everything because it just present, prevents it from being targeted or taking damage. It doesn't prevent it yeah. from being destroyed. But Blasphemous Act doesn't destroy creatures. It deals 13 damage to them, which usually destroys them because that's enough damage to, you know, yeah, more than their everything. toughness. But because protection works against damage, a Blasphemous Act, an Earthquake, something like that, a Pyrohemia. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that will be totally prevented. So if... If your deck has those cards, this is a way to protect your com commander from that. Now, the, the Praetor will die, 
but at least the Blasphemous Act will go off and your commander will still be around afterwards. Yeah, I mean, lots of decks want that to be the case here. Um, and so I think a lo- we see a lot of this now, which is like the four mana slot is getting powered up by flash yeah. spells, enchantments, all that stuff. This reminds me very much of a Chroma's Will, which is a mainstay in, again, creature-based decks and commander-based decks. So I expect this card to see a lot of use. Um, and it's just one of those ones where if your commander is white in a creature and it's not just about one big flashy turn... If you need to stay alive, consider Vexla's Praetor. I think it's sort of also the good thing about it is it also can work on offense. So you can be yeah. in a situation where your commander's out, your opponent's, you know, stabilized at like low life, five, six, seven. And right. your commander could hit, if it hits them, could take them out of the game. But, you know, they got blockers or ways to stop that attack. And you go, boom, uh, Vexilus Praetor. And all of a sudden they can't block you now because... You yeah, know, then you got protection from those creatures. Yeah, or you really need a combat damage trigger, right? Yep. So lots of commanders need that. So I, I again, it's like, look for the four mana slot. This is going to be, I think, one of those ones that index these days. You get to choose like three to four max uh, before it starts to get clunky. And then you draw too many four drops in your opening hand or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, you mean three to four max four drops in the whole deck? Yeah, sometimes. Wow. <laughs> I've seen, I mean, I've seen, so I've, I've realized that as, you know, we're in this weird world where the two slot has become this thing that powers on decks that go off, right? Yeah. With that in mind, that I think in order to balance it, we have to print a lot more cards that are higher up, that are really big and higher in impact. So maybe more of these four drops and we'll play more four drops. But as a result, I think everything's just getting like squeezed around the edges and it's yeah. really hard to make cuts now. Really going to push down towards the low end of the same yeah. seat. Yeah, I will say that one of the downsides of this card is probably holding up four mana for protection is a lot these days. It's like days. an awkward spot to be in. Right? Yeah, because yeah. it, it usually means you can't do anything on your turn to hold up that four mana. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, the next one up is mine. I chose Shadow in the Warp. It is one, a red and a green for an enchantment. It says the first creature spell you cast each turn costs two less to cast. Oh. And then it says, whenever an opponent casts their first non-creature spell each turn, Shadow and the Warp deals two damage to that player. Now you're talking. <laughs> yeah, this just seems very efficient. I don't know that there's going to be a lot of like in-depth combo-y synergy strategies to talk about. If you have 25 plus creatures in your deck, though, this is probably going to you know, net you 8, 10 mana over the course of the game. Totally. If you play it on turn 3, I suppose. It's a lot worse if you don't play if you play it turn yeah. 6, 7, 8. But even then, you play it, and then the creature you spell, but you play after, because it's point. only 3 mana, it's going to be reduced. So you could have a, spe- a turn where you're playing a 3-drop of this, and then, you know, it's now a 2-drop or whatever. So you have 5 mana spent. Hmm. Fill in that mana curve really nicely. Yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't really think about it that way. But yeah, it, it maybe is better later than I thought, because if it does on the same turn that you cast it, because this is a non-creature spell, so if the next spell you cast is a creature spell it will be the first creature you cast that turn yeah uh then it kind of only costs one mana in that instance right yeah that's right because it goes from three down to two you lose a color along the way but that's yeah that's so pretty it's, good yeah it's, it buys it back cr- quickly i i like this a lot it feels like soaring <laughs> to me <laughs> in the in creature based decks yeah and the, and the damage that it's going to cause to your opponents is probably going to add up totally you know this could you if you play this on turn three, it's not crazy to think this will do 20 plus damage over the Have course of the game. Have you ever played against a combo console allocation yeah, deck? You just you take a lot just, of You're like, oh my gosh, what? Did, I didn't realize I could do this <laughs> to myself. Yeah. So, and I think it gets even better too if you are able to cast your creatures at flash speed because now that discount. Yeah. yeah. It says, it says uh, the first creature spell you cast each turn, not each of your turns. Nice. Cost two less to cast. So, if you have Vidal Canori, Leyline of Anticipation, you have uh, one of the other. 
a lot of the werewolves and stuff have flash on them, right? Yep. And like, there's yeah. the, what's the green creature she gives your creatures? Oh, Vivian. There's a bunch of ways to give creatures. Oh, flash. oh yeah, yeah, Yeva, Yeva. Nature's Herald, and then one of the Vivians, I believe, as yep, well, right. allows you to do it. Yeah. So if you have those cards in your deck and you're planning to cast your creatures at flash speed anyway, then all of a sudden getting extra two man, it might come back to your turn and you've gotten four or six man out of this yeah. thing. That's insane. Yeah, that's a lot. That's like tapping your soul ring three times over the course of one turn. Yeah, you're also definitely going to want to run every Beast Whisperer type creature in that deck, which you probably already do. So, Shadow the Warp seems like a just a great spell. The fact that it does two very different things is what stands out to me because normally the card will tie to itself, right? Yeah. You, but this one is just saying, hey, all your stuff's cheaper and I'm just going to hit everyone a bunch. I'm just going to deal a bunch of damage, yeah. Yeah, sounds pretty good to me. All right, what's the next one? All right, the next one is one that I chose. And can we spoil that this is one of the cards that appears on the future episode of Extra Turns? Because we just did. <laughs> I guess we can, <laughs> without any other information. Yeah, you will see this card soon on Extra Turns-ish. There we go. <laughs> we'll get, get around. Soon-ish. I should be a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is a Celestine the Living Saint. Uh, four and a white for a 3-4 flying lifelink human warrior legendary creature. Healing Tears. At the beginning of your end step, return target creature card with mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, where X is the amount of life you've gained this turn. There we go. So life gain, big payoff, and recursion. Yeah, it seems like uh, the kind of mono-white commander I would look for if I wanted to build something, I think, in the colors. Yeah, pretty you cool. buy a lot of stuff back here. She has lifelink as well, so she'll hit for three. Um, lifelink flying probably gonna be hard to block so at least you get a three cmc thing back yeah and then at the and then i think a lot of it too is like mono white doesn't have a bunch of ways to discard cards so right. you're gonna want to play key to the city um a card that uh i learned about recently that i haven't thought about is anvil of bogarden oh, yeah, each player skips their discard step but during each player's draw phase they draw an additional card and then chooses and discard a card um i also found peace of mind one of the white for an enchantment to pay a white discard a card you gain three life Seems like the perfect card for this deck because once you get more than three life, then white can bring back huge stuff. Avacyn, Angel of Hope. Is it that crazy thinking in eight life in the turn? Swing with like three lifelink creatures using the fact. I don't think it's that hard for white to gain that much life. I think the hard part is getting Avacyn into your graveyard, like you said. Yeah, so just discarding it is a nice way to go about it. Because yeah. mono white does not give you many options, right? I really like the Celestine triggers on your end step too. So the turn you play her, if you had some other lifelink Oh, yeah. life gain pieces you could get something back right away if you've managed to put something into the bin so that's pretty cool yeah it's cool i think the the end step thing is really important because uh the shanna purifying blade deck that i played yep. definitely would have liked celestine because shanna says at the beginning of your end step you can pay x and then you can you know get, draw, draw that, that many, many cards. cards yeah equal to the life game but it's an end step trigger which is good so you want cards that actually gain you life in the beginning of your turn or not there's a couple cards out there i was looking at that was like at your end step gain x life or whatever mm-hmm. so you want beginning stuff if you if there's anyone out there that still plays a Aloro, then this card seems really good in that deck as well. Aloro used to be the number one EDH wow. wreck for years. Most popular deck. And now you don't hear about Aloro much anymore. I bet Aloro is probably a little peeved about that. Yeah. But I used to be on top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's always sitting behind the scenes, so can you really blame anyone but himself? Yeah, get off your throne, yeah. man. <laughs> get a, do yeah, something. Stand up for once. <laughs> um, and then Lathiel, the Boundless Dawn, I thought Bounteous Dawn was really good too, because it's, it's um, two green, white, two, two, unicorn. At the beginning of each end step, if you gain life this turn, distribute up to that many plus one, plus one counters among any under number of other target creatures. So now it just escalates itself. Mm-hmm. Your lifelinkers get bigger, and then you're bringing Elish Norn back to the battlefield. 
And Elshner, I think, is particularly good because it's one of those cards that when you do it, obviously for very obvious reasons, but it's your end step. So you can't use the creature to attack, but Elshner has an effect immediately and it will hold the table down at least until your next turn. All right, the next card from the 40k product we're going to talk about is Tomb Fortress. Tomb Fortress. It's a land. It enters the battlefield tapped. You can tap it for black mana or you can pay two black, black, black. So five mana total. You pay that, you tap the Tomb Fortress and exile it. And it says, mill four cards, then return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate only as a sorcery. I don't know. I, I like Takanuma a lot, Abandoned Mire. It's a land from Kamigawa that you can channel it to discard it, and you mill three cards and return a creature or Planeswalker card from your graveyard to your hand. Mm -hmm. But this one goes straight to the battlefield. So it feels very good in a mono black deck. I think the new Braids is quickly risen up to be one of the top played mono black commanders. Um, Arisen Nightmare. And it's pretty good in this deck as well. It says, at the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice an artifact creature, enchantment land, or planeswalker. If you do, each opponent may sacrifice a permanent that shares a card type with it. For each player opponent that doesn't, that player loses two life and you draw a card. So you're drawing a bunch of cards, you're throwing stuff in your graveyard. And Tomb Fortress, in a mono black deck that can pay the five mana easily, thumbs up. Yeah, and, and anytime you can get a land that has like a real effect that you are probably going to want at some point in the game, yeah, uh, it just replaces a swamp for the most part, right? So it, the cost is very low. This reminds me of... Uh, of Port of Carfell. Oh, yeah. Which is a land I do have in a few decks. Um, and Carfell actually doesn't even say activate only as a sorcery, which is kind of a big thing. Yeah, it's true. I think that's a big downside on Tomb Fortress. But still, I find myself, you know, this it's Port of Carfell's Demir only. Mm -hmm. So the fact that this goes in any deck with black makes it a lot more playable. Um, but I've always liked Port of Carfell. So I think this effect being close to that just sort of says that like oh this is going to be playable for sure yeah it's five mana you definitely have to be able to create a lot of black i think it works really well in mono black decks because let's say it is turn six or seven and you play tomb fortress you still have your cabal coffers or whatever it is going on that allows you to tap for like eight or nine and of all the colors most black decks can create a lot of black because many of the best black cards like necropotence or whatever require you yeah. to Bullis's Citadel, those type of cards, you probably already have some cards like that in the deck, in which case you're already equipped to make the right amount of the colors, right? So Yeah, and play more Dark Rituals, everyone. It's a really good card. It, <laughs> You'd be surprised how It used many to be times. not that playable, but now the format is so fast that, yeah, just getting something out early is more important than the card advantage. And you've got cards like Tomb Fortress where the card advantage is so immense, and the milling on top of that, you know, I think if you... This works great, I think, in like a Chainer, Nightmare Adept deck, or any Chainer deck, really. And then Hogak, oh, yeah. which cares a lot about the graveyard being filled with stuff. All right. Next card is Biotransference. Interesting one. Especially in black. Two black black, so four mana for an enchantment. It says, creatures you control are artifacts in addition to their other types. The same is true for creature spells you control and creature cards you own that aren't on the battlefield. Ooh. And then whenever you cast an artifact spell, which means, remember, it applies to that top part. Um, whenever you cast an artifact spell, you lose one life and create a 2-2 black Necron warrior artifact creature token. Wow, are you kidding me? Any artifact spell you cast creates a 2-2 on top of all that. And by the way, everything you're casting is now an artifact. artifact. Yeah, yeah, basically. That, yeah, this seems very powerful, and especially because there are a lot of like sort of loops you can get into, or artifacts often are very cheap, or they 
cost zero. Yeah. Or you play Foundry Inspector and any number of yes. the artifact reducers, and now you're casting for free. Uh, Cloud Shift Key is the other big one here. Ethereum Sculptor. Ethereum Sculptor, yeah. Yeah. Often artifact decks are trying to get to the point where they're casting their artifacts for free or almost free. Yeah. And then kind of looping around through like you know, mirror retrievers and scrap trawlers and KCI. And that often bounces things or returns them from the graveyard to your hand and you're recasting them. And as you're doing that, I mean, if you have that really going, you don't need this. But if you're going to do not infinite, but just a lot, then yeah. this will just be like, oh, you incidentally, while you're sort of spinning your wheels, create 12 tutus. That's pretty good. <laughs> and yeah, and also lose 12 life. Yeah. But the tutus are pretty good. And they're also artifacts. So if you have things mm. to sack, Krug Clan Ironworks seems just like the absolute all-star here too. Yeah, this is, this is definitely going to be a combo enabler because if I cast an artifact spell and it makes another artifact and I have... Clan and Iron works out or something like that. Yeah. All of a sudden, I can net mana in a situation where maybe otherwise I'd break even or lose mana. Yeah, yeah. With Nim Deathmantle and things like that, there's probably all kinds of craziness. You, I'm sure there are um, with this card. And and even oh, if right, Nim Deathmantle, good point. Yeah, and even if you're not doing that stuff, just the incidental value of the tutus is just going to be very good. If you have 25 artifacts in your deck, you're yeah. probably playing a card like this. Yeah, yeah. And I, a lot of decks that play Reckless Fireweaver, yeah. anything that pings people when artifacts come into the battlefield. And there's a bunch of you know Goblin Engineer, Goblin Welder type cards that want you to have extra artifacts laying around and you need a sack outlet now. So everything, creatures specifically, it's not like Microsynth Lattice where everything yeah. becomes an artifact. So just creatures. But this has just combo potential written all over it. Yeah. All right. Uh, which actually leads us directly into the next card. Segway. It's Ghost Dark. It's a four mana artifact vehicle. 3-3 three, three with flying. What? You put a vehicle on here, Jeremy? That's right. Uh, its uh, ability is whenever Ghost Dark becomes crude, each artifact creature card in your graveyard gains unearth three until end of turn. And you can crude something by tapping a power of two of creatures between the creatures you control or just one. Okay. So this is <laughs> busted, especially if you have a card like Biotransference out because now everything, it says creature cards that aren't even on your battlefield or in the graveyard are artifacts. Are artifacts. So unearth, just to get the rules text out, um, you, play, you pay a cost and it says return this card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste, exile it at the beginning of the next end step. If it would leave the battlefield, exile it instead of putting it anywhere else and activate only as a sorcery. But typically unearth cards are, costs are like two in a red. Yes. In the black. Now they cost just three color or generic mana. Well, plus unearth costs are usually directly related to the card itself. So if it's like a seven seven that creates another seven seven when it enters the battlefield, yeah. that unearth cost will be five and two red or something crazy. I just made that card up, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this just says no. It's just three, and I don't care if that thing's a nine drop or a five drop or a two drop. Yeah, it just costs, costs three. three. Yeah. And there's a lot of huge, you know, <clears throat> you've got your Phyrexian Triniform stuff out there. You've got all of the massive artifact creatures. Everything from 40k, uh, Academy Manufacturer if you need to go off that turn, Alibu Ancient Witness, but like Phyrexian Metamorph, right? There's a lot of value you can pull out from your graveyard. Um, not to mention uh, the cards from 40k that I really like. Emotech the Stormlord. We'll read it because it's new. Two black black whenever one or more artifact cards leave your graveyard. Create two, two, two black Necron warrior artifact creature tokens. So that's huge. And then at the beginning of combat on your turn, another target artifact creature gets plus two, plus two and gains menace. And then Amarcure the Traveler, which I played in Game Nights, allows you to bring a artifact card back from your graveyard to the battlefield by paying life for its cost, and you want Amarcure to attack. Yeah, this so. artifact recursion thing, which is kind of 
something Black hasn't been great at before. Yeah, it's and only until the Necrons arrived yeah, that it became a part of them. But it really can get you in some interesting loops um, where you can do some cool stuff for sure. Yeah. I also like this new card, Lich Guard. It's two in the black. You pay four and sacrifice it. Return all legendary creature cards from your graveyard to your hand. Mm. So that seems like a mass recursion spell for those like uh, legendary matters decks. Which there's a lot of now. Yep. Um, and as if you saw Game Nights, you will know that uh, this card was comboed with Convergence of Dominion, which is a three drop. And it says, as long as you control your commander, activate abilities of cards in your graveyard cost two less to activate. This effect can't reduce the mana to less than one. So now it's unearthed one for all for your artifacts? every single artifact creature. And yeah, you can just, at that point, if you milled yourself with, again, you can see all the synergy here is, are from the Mono Black Necron deck. Mill yourself, bring all that stuff back for one mana piece. Whew. Yeah, don't forget, Unearth gives haste, so you can do things like Steel Hellkite out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. Those types of plays can really, like, catch you up or, you know, set back the arch enemy at the table at the time. And so, you know, yeah, if you can fill your graveyard with artifact creatures, Blight Steals out of nowhere can can win games. Oh, I guess they can't be in the graveyard, can they? Yeah, Blight um, that for that very reason. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so another, th- yeah. <laughs> another thing about Ghost Ark is that it only does it every time it's crewed. It gives the oh, ability Unearth. Yeah, yeah. So if you Unearth Stitcher Supplier and it comes in and mills you for three then you actually need to crew it again by tapping two cre- uh, creatures with two power or whatever. And then, so that the newly milled cards now have an earth? Yeah, exactly. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. And if you somehow find a way to get back into the graveyard, which I don't think you can, I don't think you can unearth again. Um, yeah, because if you unearth it, if it's going to leave the battlefield, it gets exiled. It gets exiled, so, yeah. yeah. Um, and also, Zerda the Dawn Waker's effect will reduce the cost of it. So oh. it's the same thing, similar to Convergence of Dominion. Abilities you activate that aren't mana abilities cost two. Oh, yeah, it just doesn't care what it is, just doesn't abilities. Doesn't care what it is, yeah. yeah, abilities anywhere. That's very cool. Uh, all right, the well, it, we are about to move on to the rest of the cards remaining from 40K that are our favorites, but I just realized we have to take a quick break first and hear a message from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back with the most toxic card in 40K. <laughs> it's Toxicrine. This card might be toxic. Yeah, it might That's be. That's on our little outline sheet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a party. Uh, <laughs> That's a pun, everybody. <laughs> Aha! It's barely a pun. It's barely a pun. I wonder if the person that invented Toxicrine went like, yeah, I just put a couple of words at the end of toxic. It's <laughs> it's all right. It's a couple of letters. All right. It, it, Toxicrine is three and a green for a 2-4 Tyranid. It has reach and death touch. And it says, all lands have tap, add one mana of any color, and lose all other abilities. <laughs> so all lands tap for all colors, but that's all they do. That's all they do. That's interesting. The uh, Yeah, it's hard to, for me to picture the outcome of this. If, you know, is that going to hurt me or help me? Do I usually play more lands that do stuff than other people or fewer? Yeah, and even if you don't play them at all, then it's great for you. If you're just playing, yep. but, you know, but it... You know, all your lands are chromatic lantern, basically. Yeah. But I've seen reliquary towers out there, yep. strip mines that now have to get used, field of the deads that go out of control. So I think there are a lot of interesting lands out there. Bounce lands get really bad. Yeah. Because you play it and you return the land, and unfortunately, no, that, no, they they would lose that ability. Yeah. So it's just a re- but the bounce land it should be tapping for two, but it only taps for one now. Right, true. But it just comes in as a normal land, so it's not that bad. Yeah, yeah. But when you play it earlier in the game, I'm saying, like, oh, you yeah, kind of yeah. lose a little bit of tempo there. Because you lost the tempo already. And yeah. Now you, yeah, that's a good point. It's really bad if you have, like, a Lotus Field. Because you already had to sack the lands. <laughs> yeah, when there's about you sack two lands. Ooh, that's brutal. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. Have you ever lost to a Blink Moth Nexus? Yes, definitely. So I, I don't know what deck actually really wants to play this that badly. Are you looking at it more from the aspect of it shuts off lands or from the fact that like it solves my, any color problems? Because it definitely does that, it, but it also hurts yourself. So if you're like a five color deck that happens to have a couple of really important utility lands, mm-hmm. like a Glacial Fortress or whatever, well, not Glacial Fortress, Glacial Chasm. Glacial Chasm, then yeah, then this card probably not so great. But I would say mo- usually five color decks have less utility lands because they can't afford them. Totally. Whereas like monocolored and dual colored decks, like this hurts monocolored decks quite a bit. Totally. Because in general, you can have a lot more utility ran- lands because if you only need red mana, well, you don't need to run 35 mountains. You yeah, can, you could almost go half-half. You can be 18 and then you can run a lot more utility lands because you're not worried you're going to have red. Yeah. But then you get this ability where all of them tap for any color, but you really only need one color. So <laughs> yeah, you that, don't did, care. that part didn't help you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, I think it probably hurts mono decks the most. Yeah, I, th- I agree with that. That makes a lot of sense. They are the most, they're the least reliant on having different colors of mana, and this will help out any decks that are like three colors plus. But that kind of like asks the question, are you worried about monocolor decks to the point that you want to put a card that's good against <laughs> them? Right, like monocolor decks, I'd say in general, are uh, are already at a disadvantage. So I don't know that I need a card that puts them at a disadvantage. I think I would really just be worried about my own color fixing, and that's why I'm playing this card. Yeah, I, it could just be incidental that it turns off other things. I, I like this as just a general, like, kind of balances the table out a little bit, um, and it's on a creature that, again, you're trying to do, right? It does two things that kind of are opposite in weird ways, but it's good if you're trying to, for instance, just 
fix your colors and it's great if you're really great if you're turning off your friend's guy's cradle or you know that there's always some utility lands that mm-hmm. keep popping up and keep hurting you your carnfell caves of carnfell or whatever mm-hmm. or maze of Ith. yeah it definitely turns off some stuff that you might worry about castle wolf run those oh, kind yeah. of things guy's cradle for sure um tabernacle if you like those are expensive cards very expensive cards and if you happen to be in a play group where some Buddy has cards like that. Our playground was like this sometimes because, uh, yes, I own a guy's cradle. Well, that's why I play strip mine, right? Yeah, but I don't own a tabernacle, but some, like Craig does probably. <laughs> some people do. I've done, I know I've played against it. And so, oh, you know, yeah, play your strip nines and stuff to get rid of that. But this is another way that maybe if you're a little more budget, you can catch up because dual lands become a lot worse. Yeah. Things like that. So it's like, okay, fine, play your fancy lands, but. Well, dual lands still tap for anything. Me up. Yeah, yeah, it catches me up, and it definitely turns off like tricky stuff. Yeah, like Maze of Ith, I've found it to be a very pain in the butt card sometimes. Yeah, a lot of decks have a real problem beating Maze of Ith, which is fun. All right, all right. Next up, it is Magnus the Red. It's a new commander potential here. A lot of people have been talking about this. Magnus did nothing wrong. Do you want to spoil lower. where they might see Magnus the Red? Yeah, in an extra turns episode, upcoming soonish. The one with Celestine as well. Yeah, the one with Celestine as well. Hmm, so maybe Who do you a think theme Jimmy's there. playing between between <laughs> Celestine and Magnus the, the Red? I wonder God, why I chose this card. which one Jimmy might be playing. Yeah. You are, you are contractually obligated to play this card. I'm so glad <laughs> when the email gets sent out. It's like, hey, everyone, choose your commanders. They're going to brew around it. I'm like... Oh man, I'm glad I caught this email instantly because if someone else took the card, there'd be a problem. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think we would have to be like, hey, hey yeah. I think you're going to let Jimmy play that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, Magnus the Red, unfortunately, is not mono red. Fortunately, actually, because it makes him better. Uh, <laughs> it's three, a blue, and a red for a four, five legendary creature, Damon Primarch. It has flying and two abilities. The first one says instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast for each creature token you control. Okay. Holy moly. That seems crazy. And then whenever Magnus deals combat damage to a player, create a 3-3 red spawn creature token. So it's all the parts of the card on the card. You got everything you need. Magnus attacking and hitting someone will give you that 3-3. And then it's going to reduce instants and sorceries by one for each creature token you control. And the interesting thing is there are a bunch of instruments and sorceries that they themselves create tokens. Yes. Which will then reduce the cost of the instruments and sorceries that create more tokens till eventually mana is not a problem for you. Yeah. So colored mana is the only problem because a lot of big X spells you might be thinking have like it's X red, red, red or blue, blue X, you know. Still, that doesn't seem like much of a hurdle. No, not a huge hurdle, which is great. So cards like... uh, Magnus is a five drop, and you don't have natural great ramp, uh, land based ramp in blue red. So you're playing a maybe turn three or four. You want to get some cards out before that. Three, that's well, that's ambitious. Three's, three's ambitious. You need a soul ring for th- for two or three. Yeah. Um, but cards like Dance with Devils, Dragon Fodder, Hordling Outburst, they're all uh, Dance with Devils is an instant, but they all create token creatures basically, and they're instants and sorcerers themselves, so they get reduced and help reduce the other stuff. And you can play that before you play Magnus, right? Yeah, importantly, because I think if you cast Magnus and go past turn not looking great for you because everyone will go okay kill magnus right. instantly i uh, can't let that stick around but if you have two or three tokens and a couple mana up now all of a sudden you might be able to protect it yep it, you're caught you're you have something big up your sleeve because your cost is reduced yeah That's it's cool. very very powerful um a new card i keep talking about is irenicus's vile duplication it's three in the blue for a sorcerer to create a token that's a copy of target creature you control except it's got flying and isn't legendary if the original creature is legendary. Oh, it's, it's kind of like Spark Double. Yes. Great comparison because it makes a non-legendary copy of it. Oh, so if you have three tokens out, let's say. Oh, and that itself is a token? Yeah, it creates a token. So it counts itself. So let's say you have that and two tokens out. 
you've and your commander you're now reducing by six yeah because you're doubling it up on the commander oh my lord or you might just have another creature out that you want to double and whatever right so like it's very very good and then once you get all that mana time to cast some big spells Woohoo! Yeah, and X spells seem great because they're just going to fit to however much mana you've got. So if you've got seven tokens, then fine. X is equal to seven at the very yeah. least. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Kind of um, like Mizzix a little in, at that case. Yeah, yeah. Mizzix, another very similar commander to this. So Geared's Belligerence is X red red, deals X damage divided as you choose amongst any number of target creatures. And when a creature dealt damage this way dies, you populate. So, again, it's like, oh, you're kind of, like, churning the engine even more because you're making another token. Or multiple. Uh, Release the gremlins for X, X, and red. Destroy X target artifacts. Create X, 2-2, red gremlin creature tokens. Oh, wow. That's really good. Makes tokens and destroys stuff. Keep it going. Yep. Um, Rachel talked about this in a recent podcast episode, Stolen by the Fae. X, blue, blue. Return target creature with converted cost X to its hand. You create X, 1-1, blue fairy creature tokens with flying. I'm sensing a theme here. This card is great, Do something bad for a two opponents make more tokens so cast that I ha- even worse things. yeah so yeah. That the next thing i cast is even worse yeah reality spasm x blue blue you can tap x target permanence or untap x target permanence oh so you untap lands all you your lands your, your tokens basically yeah that's sweet yeah and then uh occult epiphany x in the blue to draw x card then discard x card to create a one one for each uh card type among cards discarded this way so land artifact creature blah blah I really like mascot exhibition because you can just cast it for zero at some point. Yeah, anything that just fully on is colorless. Yeah, there's going to be well, it has to be an answer or sorcery that's colorless. Yeah, but yeah, if yeah. it is, yeah, yeah. So the way that I built my deck, a little bit of a spoiler, is I took a lot of inspiration from Manson actually because his Kaikar deck is all about taking a creature token and turning it into a monster. Oh, polymorphing? Yeah, so you can polymorph a lot of the creatures. Oh, interesting, because you don't have a lot of actual creatures in the deck because you have Hoarding Outbursts and stuff that... Make those creatures for you. But if you polymorph, you can't hit them Hoarding Outbursts, so you can safely (laughs) put just like, you know, a handful of really big, scary things in. Yeah, Jin Cataxias, whatever massive red or blue creature you can think of. You could actually probably build a deck in a way where there's only one creature that you're going to hit when you polymorph. Yeah, totally. It'd probably be a little less exciting because... You you know what's going to happen each time. And you're not going to polymorph a second time because there's nothing... I also yeah. find it really hard to not play uh, Archmage Emeritus in this deck. Oh, yeah, because you're just... <laughs> you're, you'd be happy, though, to, cards, yeah. to polymorph into that, for sure. For sure, yeah. Uh, but th- there's a new card called Chaos Mutation. There's Polymorph, Transmogrify, dis- and there's uh, Descent of the Dragons. Turns all your tokens into 4-4s, four which is cool if okay. you use it on your side of the board wipe. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's sort of how you win. You could brood a clad. Yeah, brood a clad. Seems very good in this deck, too. Another win con. Yep. So Pretty dope. Pretty fun stuff. Uh, it's a commander that I have to play, so I put a lot of time into thinking about how I wanted to play it. <laughs> no choice in there. No Usually choice. we choose where it's like, okay, everybody, first <laughs> come, first served. You know, Jimmy and I will go last. You pick what you want, and then you build it. And on this one, you're like, I'm Magnus the Red. I'm Magnus the Red. Be- right before they could even read the email, my reply was sitting in their <laughs> inbox. All right. Uh, well, my legendary creature, not that this is the only legendary creature we're going to talk about, but the one that spoke to my heart is also an Is It Commander, Jimmy. Oh, is it? Uh, it's Gearson Starn Kelomorph. One, a blue and a red for a 3-2 Tyranid human. Three mana, 3-2, has Ward 2, and says, whenever another source you control deals exactly one damage to a permanent or player, Gearson Starn deals two damage to that permanent or player. Whoa. So it's a little Torbranny where 
it's going to increase the damage dealt, but it, he only cares if you you deal one damage at a time. If you this deal more is, than that, he just guns in the holsters. How many people tweeted at you when this card came out? A lot, a lot, <laughs> a lot. And they weren't wrong because Tim decks, of course, and my Tim deck, for sure, this is going in there. Prodigal it, Sorcerer. Yeah, because it, it deals damage in increments of one. Yeah. Very consistent. And what I do is untap Tim a, a bunch of times, but man, every time you do that, it's dealing three instead of one. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like it would just, one, It's if it's the commander, then great. But if it wasn't, then this would be the best card in the deck. I feel like it amplifies it so much, that damage. Yeah. And I don't think it's only useful for Tim's. If there's, there's just are a lot of good cards that deal damage in increments of one. There's stuff like Pestilence, Pyrohemia. Oh yeah, that's right. So, you know, obviously... Wow, three damage each, it will kill. It will cure Gearson, so you have to have a way to keep him alive. But given that you can do that, give him indestructible or something. Yeah, yeah. That's that's big game. Uh, impact Tremors is uh. a card that sees a lot of play. So whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, it deals one damage to each opponent. Well, now yeah. that becomes three damage to each opponent. That's better than Perforos all of a sudden. Oh my gosh, yeah. Gearson says whenever another source, so it can be pretty much anything. Grape Shot. <laughs> you know, we saw me use that recently. Yeah, yeah. what was it, nine? It was, I, I had 10 grape shots on the stack, Jeez. and Torwaku was making them all do two, two damage. Well, imagine with uh, Gearson's Arm, they'd all do three damage. Dang. Yeah. Goblin Bombardment, a card that sees a lot of play. Sack a creature, deal one damage to any target. That becomes three damage. Yeah, it goes great with the Impact Tremor stack. Yep. Reckless Fireweaver. Oh, yeah, there you go. We just brought up recently. Uh, the new Defiler for Red, Defiler of Instinct. There's an interesting thing with Stuffy Doll, and Truck and I were talking about it, trying to figure out. It feels like there should be a way for it to go infinite. Oh, right. So Stuffy Doll can tap to deal one damage to itself. So then Gearson Star... And it's indestructible. Yeah. So then Gearson... So it'll deal one to itself, which will deal one to an opponent. But then Gearson Star will deal two damage to Stuffy Doll, which will deal two to the opponent. But then it'll also see the one damage to Stuffy Doll dealt (laughs) and deal two more damage, right? And there's, we were trying to think of a way, well, how do we make the opponent taking damage deal one damage to Stuffy Doll so you can get a... Oh, back and forth. Yeah, like a feedback loop that kills them. Uh, maybe someone out there can figure that out, because that does seem like a very funny low math problem. Yeah. Uh, Mana Barbs is a card that's near and dear to my oh heart. Oh my gosh, three damage per <laughs> land you tap. Pretty much like if you play Mana Barbs and you have Gears and Starn out. Game over. It feels like the game is almost locked sort of right where it is. People can make very few moves before they'll die. Yeah, totally. They have to get rid of it. Otherwise, they'll just tap five lands, take 15. Yeah. Or you're just using Mana Rocks for the rest of the game and that's it. Oh, right. Good yeah. point. Uh, you can also give Gearson Starn Death Touch, so Basilisk Collar. We you know, I talk about this kind of thing all the time. Oh, so that's yeah, not, yeah. But that turns, you know, one damage into lethal damage to any target. Giving Gearson Starn Infect seems really good. Yeesh. Because now all of a sudden you deal Impact Tremors. You just have to play, like, four creatures. Everybody's dead. I guess five. Um, yeah, a lot of cool, cool things. There was a question I had, Jimmy. Yeah. And I couldn't think of a card that fit the bill. But can you think of a card that prevents like one damage hmm. for your opponents as a whole or is it on a single like if anything instance? it would have to say something like if a player would take would or, or maybe we could say all damage reduced to players is reduced by one or something like that okay so the goal here is if you could get gearson down to himself dealing one damage right now he says another when another source, source. deals one damage he'll deal two to it but what you could do is clone him Okay. You can use the Spark Double or your, what was that card? Uh, Iranicus's Vile Duplication. And now, if you could deal the damage and Gearson would deal one damage, 
then the other gearson would see that and be like, cool, you dealt one damage, I'll deal one damage. Uh, and then the other gearson was cool, I'll deal one damage, cool, I'll, and then... And then just go off. They say cool a lot. Right, but, right. Yeah, yeah the, re- the reason that gearson is worded the way he is is so that it doesn't trigger itself when right. he deals that damage. He so deals you two, two of them and you could somehow reduce it, I don't know, that maybe that doesn't exist or you can't do that, but... It's a seven-card combo, <laughs> unbeknownst to man. Totally fair. <laughs> yeah, totally fair, and uh, I will complain if it happens to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. very cool card though. I, I do you think you're gonna build something around it. Your Tim deck right now is a five color deck, right? No, it's not. It's um. In oh, fact, my that's right. my Tim deck right now is what is it? Teamer. A oh, teamer. That's right. I've been thinking of adding white because of drum bellower, and in that case, I think I just go to five color. Right. Uh, but I don't know. I just haven't done that yet. But Gearson can f- slide right in. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it already works. So I'm definitely putting it in the current Tim deck. Okay, cool. All right, this next one's a fun one. It is Blood for the Blood God. Blood for the Blood God. Ah, eight black, black, and red for an instant. And the spell costs one less to cast for each creature that died this turn. You discard your hand, then draw eight cards. <laughs> Blood for the Blood God deals eight damage to each opponent, and then you exile the spell. Wow. So very, very powerful if you can reliably cast it for, let's say, four. Yeah, because holding up between three to five mana is the most I think you can you should generally reasonably be doing to stay in the game and do what you need to maybe if your deck has a lot of instance yeah and hold it up but you're not paying 11 obviously no but the fact that like if a board wipe happens you can then go dome everybody for eight and refill my hand this is better than most wheel effects because you end up with eight cards in hand at the end of this so even just like toxic deluge then this can do it right but there's a lot of times in games, I think, where, like, I'm ahead on board, and if the board stay how it is, I'm going to win. They have to basically wrath me right. for me to lose. And I can just kind of hold this being like, well, at least if they wrath me, I have a consolation prize of a lot of fresh ar- eight cards. cards. Yeah, and, in the graveyard. And everybody's down by eight, which, you know, that can matter. Or you could even Fury Storm this thing, maybe, if you cast it for three. That's 16 to everybody. Jeez. No, maybe more, 24 to everybody. Yeah, the eight damage machine is really relevant, especially post-board wipe, because that's when players are the most able to get smacked by haste or something scary that's big. So you have now eight cards, and you've done eight damage to everyone, and you can recover, do something cool, hurt them all. And in aristocrat decks where you're just going to be sacking creatures, and you're probably going to have a turn where you sack the oh, same right. creature. You can do it yourself. Yeah, oh. or multiple creatures. But you get that, you know, you don't have to do eight. Even four or five is pretty good. Yeah. And then some. a lot of times when you're doing that, it's Ashnod's Altar, it's Phyrexian Altar, things are creating mana. Or Viscerous here, and yeah. just have, you just need a sack outlet. Yeah, some t- I, I really like being able to do this at instant speed. That's the big one here. Yeah. Because if this was sorcery, this would be, ugh, barf. So, yeah, I just think this is a pretty good card, and we're probably going to see it a decent amount. Yeah, and when it get ca- when it gets cast for like three or four, you're gonna clutch your head in your hands and go, no, yeah. what? It's so much value for so little mana. Yeah, yeah, I really like that with uh, Toxic Deluge if you're doing it on your turn because you don't. It's a very cheap board wipe that can probably kill everything. Yeah, and it only costs you six mana to do both. You might even have mana left over to even cast one of the eight cards that you drew. Because now you're at eight. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's talk next about what is clearly the most powerful card. In, do you agree? In the entire it's 40k just set? in the name. It's funny. We were uh, talking with Posty the other day. Oh, and I, I was this like, was really funny. And he's yeah. like, I'm building, you know, new 40, 40k uh, commander decks. And I was like, I know what card you're building. It's Trazen the Infinite. And he's like, how did you know? <laughs> I'm like, because it says infinite right in the name. It's right there. Yeah, it's very <laughs> powerful. It's four black black for a legendary artifact creature, Necron. That's a four six with death touch. And as long as Trazen is on the battlefield, it has all activated abilities of all artifact cards in your graveyard. 
It's necrotic ooze for artifacts. It should have said non-creature artifacts at least i think i nope. think that's the mistake there's no mistake here it's tracing the infinite otherwise it'd be tracing the near infinite it would still be infinite it'd just be less infinite well, yeah, that's not how yeah exactly works. Yeah. yeah 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 it <laughs> may be how infinity works we're still not quite sure <laughs> there's a lot of research <laughs> a lot of theorizing yeah so what can you do josh to win the game on the spot i mean there's a million and that's why it's called the infinite because it is very easy to go infinite with this card totally uh basalt monolith with almost anything Pilipala could just infinite untaps of itself because remember it has all of the basalt monolith abilities and all the Pilipala abilities. Pilipala has the untap ability on it. Yep. To untap it to make a mana of any color. So you end up floating a mana when you do that, but it costs you two. Because you're well, tapping three for basalt and then paying three to untap it, or you pay two to untap it, so you get one extra, yeah. Yeah, so you go tap it for three from basalt, use two of that to untap it with Pilipala, and I'm now I have two mana because Pilipala made a mana when it untapped it, I had one left from basalt monolith. Yeah. Tap it for three now for basalt and do that again and i have infinite mana very easy yep. anything that taps for more than for four or more mana will go infinite with basalt and remember you don't have to have these artifacts you don't have to cast them they're just sitting in your graveyard yeah very easy to get them there especially in the mono black deck so another card this works with is chromatic Ori. yeah the chromatic Ori because it makes a whopping five mana but the nice thing about chromatic Ori is you never have to actually have it hit the battlefield josh you can throw it to the graveyard where it belongs I don't want to talk about card about it. Yeah, I don't want to have it in my deck at all. Yeah, did you see that commercial where that card got played <laughs> on you to end it? I don't know if y'all have seen this, but we all see the commercial with our good friend Post Malone where he played, it feels like a simulation now because yeah. it's come full circle, clearly. Chromatic Ori well, it's is because, very powerful. It's because Post and I have this thing where I think Chromatic Ori is, and you, you've all heard me talk about it, I think this card's garbage. Yeah. <laughs> there are only very few decks where it's good. This is one of them. There's a few. There's a Teferi Chain Veil deck, which I do have, that it is good in. Ah, yeah. the truth arrives. But it, I don't think this card is like good, like put it in very, very many decks, but he likes it a lot more than I do. So yeah, in that commercial, that's the reason. He, he insisted, like, I want to play Chromatic Ori. Yeah. And, you know, everyone from Wizards who's on the set was like, what, Chromatic Ori? And they're like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's why. Because That's why Chromatic Ori gets played in that commercial about Friday Night Magic. Because he was like, eat that, Josh. Everyone's going to think it's awesome now. Yeah. And it is awesome for that reason. Uh, yeah, you got cards like Buried Alive in this deck. You have Entomb, all that stuff. Don't forget, it's creatures and non-creature artifacts. Buried Alive's instant win in this deck. If anybody casts Buried Alive and they're playing Trazen, you're going to lose unless you counter it because there are a million different cards that they can put in the graveyard that will combo. Yeah. It's all. It's very hard for them not to combo if they do this. It's Metal Worker with Pilly Paula will do it. Oh, Walking yeah. Ballista, your third card is your win condition. Phyrexian Devourer with Walking Ballista, you don't even need another card. That'll go infinite. There are just so many that we don't have to list them. Yeah, because the, the card becomes the artifacts. He yeah. gains all the effects. Yeah, Necrotic Ooze, everyone. Uh, Staff of Domination is another piece. You can't get it with Buried Alive. You can get it with Entomb. Oh, yeah. But because it says pay one to untap it, then that works again with Basalt Monolith and all Very the other simple. stuff. Very yeah. simple. So this is going to be a scary deck. It's going to generally probably win the turn. It comes out. You play Trazen. Yeah. Yeah, yep. because it, again, artifacts. <laughs> it's so powerful. You can Dark Ritual out Trazen early. Yep. You've got so many ways to make tons of black mana. Yeah, you'll get And you have all the tutors. So you can just... Oh, you didn't draw Buried Alive? Well, Vampiric for it or Demonic for it. Yeah, or, you know, it's very okay. easy to get it. Yeah. So that, 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 I, I think if it would have said non creature artifact, yeah, it would have been still combo really, and really still powerful. can do a lot, but the Buried Alives and stuff wouldn't work as well. And I think it would be a little bit better. Yeah. And Tomb would still work, though. Yep. Yep. Okay. Those are our favorite cards. 
not really treason. We just felt we kind of had to talk about it because it's so powerful uh, from the set. But I wanted to, to talk about two cards at the end of this, Jimmy, uh, that I think are kind of being overrated. Uh-huh. And by overrated, I mean, if you look online right now at the pre-sales, or I guess it's just the sales at the time you're watching, but for us, it still is pre-sales. The, they're up there. Yeah, it's coming out in like a day. Um, these two cards are like two of the top cards. It's huh. like price-wise. So somebody's buying them they're expensive and i don't understand why so maybe you can explain it to me sure we'll see i doubt it because uh we tend to agree about these things all right first up is the golden throne it's a four mana legendary artifact and it says uh if you would lose the game instead exile the golden throne and your life total becomes one and then it has a tap sacrifice creature add three mana in any combination of colors so, again, two very different things here. The first one says, hey, you're not going to die. You exile this thing and your life total becomes one. So it saves you, like Angel's Grace, a lot of those types of cards. And then the second one, uh, you're just adding a bunch of mana to tap it and sacrifice a creature. So three mana. Yeah, it's a conditional mana rock. Yeah. Whereas if you want mana, there are way better rocks. I mean, Thrawn Dynamo is just a card that exists. Right. And Four mana tap for three. And you don't have to sac a creature to get that. I realize some decks do want to sacrifice creatures, but it's way better to just know that this is going to work with no help. Yeah, it feels a little clunky to me because on turn four, you want to be doing something cool and impactful. And unless your plan is specifically uh, to sac creatures and then you want to use that mana for other stuff... I don't know. It seems really interesting. It's like you have to want to be able to sacrifice creatures and you need to have creatures to sacrifice. Otherwise, this does nothing the turn you play it. Yeah, I mean, you could be an aristocrat deck that does want to sack creatures, but you play this on turn four and all you've got out is like a setup piece that you don't want to sacrifice. Yeah. In which case, this card, it does stone nothing. And it's not going to do anything for a little while. Maybe next turn you're going to play a creature that you want to sacrifice and it gains three mana, but you lose a... That's like the equivalent of it coming into play tapped or something. Right. Yeah. And I think that first ability is not even that good. You mentioned Angel's Grace. Yeah. If you compare it to Angel's Grace, Angel's Grace makes it so you can't lose the game for the rest of that turn. Right. This doesn't even say that. Just put your life total to one. Let's imagine they killed you with poison. Oh, <laughs> uh, we, I'm going to lose the game. I'm going to exile the Golden Throne. It's going to come back, and then I'm going to lose the game again. Yeah, because I still have 10 poison. It didn't take any of the poison I'm counters in a death away. death state, right. Yeah, if they have something that's dealing persistent damage, they just do one more. Right. You know, my Tim deck is just like, cool. Cool, thanks. You go to one, and uh, now I tap it again. You know, if they have double strike or something, you could die on the first hit. Yeah. Uh, go to one, and then the second, you know, regular combat damage comes through. It's just not an ironclad you know, you're going to live like some of these cards kind of are. I think this would get a lot better if it had kind of that clause. Yeah, totally. It doesn't seem that great. Again, four mana becoming more and more crowded because there are a lot of powerful options here. Doesn't seem like something I would necessarily want to play, even in decks that want to sack creatures. Yeah, I don't know why it's pre-selling for next uh, for so much. And the next card is a little bit similar, not the exact same. It's Scepter of Eternal Glory, another four mana legendary artifact. You can <laughs> tap it to add one mana of any color. It's a four mana rock, don't forget. Or you can tap it to add three mana of any one color. Activate only if you control three or more lands with the same name. Okay. Do decks need this? I don't think so. Again, Thran Dynamo is a card that already exists. Look at this card and compare it to Thran Dynamo. Yeah. Thran Dynamo is just better, right? The only thing that's different here is 
mana of any color. Right. So Golden Throne gives you mana in any combination of colors, and then Scepter says either it's just a three-mana rock that taps for one mana of any color, but it's a four-mana rock, or you can add three of one specific color. But you have to have three lands of the same name. So that means you're probably playing a mono or a dual color deck because it's you, once you get to three colors, it's tough to sometimes get three mountains out or whatever. Three islands is. is even tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, it's, and, it's, and if you're playing a dual color deck, in general, color is not a problem for you. Right. So you don't even care about the fact that you're adding a specific color. Unless, again, you're mono black and you cast a difficult spell. But at that point, you know, I would rather just have Thran Dynamo. <laughs> I think in all, almost all cases that you can reasonably consider in all scenarios Thrawn Dynamo is going to be better than this card in almost all of them yeah it's interesting which by the way Thrawn Dynamo a card we've mentioned a lot in this overrated category is not a card that people play very much because it doesn't <laughs> meet the bar anymore right yeah you have to have specific <laughs> synergies for Thrawn Dynamo to even be good anymore and so yeah these cards like pre-selling above $10 I think above 15 bucks uh for a while maybe they're not like that anymore but that is perplexing to me and i think they're both being overrated so my uh, suggestion to everybody out there is like i don't think these are good unless you have specific synergies you can untap them right there's yeah. a lot of manifold key voltaic key those are better with these cards but at the same time they're still not great yep yeah so uh, yeah it's interesting again watch out for that four drop slot it's getting getting a little hot in here super crowded yeah it's getting hot in here yeah it's getting uh, guys can you back <laughs> it's off getting. that's what we should say it's a little smothering you know <laughs> it's uh all right to the listener what is your favorite card from the warhammer precons what do you think is the most powerful card from the set is it the infinite person Trazen, uh, necron Trazen. thing yeah or is it, is it something else with more colors who knows <laughs> but uh, <laughs> how about this is there any card in the set that we didn't talk about that you would like to talk about um how about non-commander powerful cards right because it yeah. could be not mr infinite who knows well i mean i think you still talk about the commanders if you like uh, marnius calgar or something it was a cool card that, yeah marnius you know, calgar very cool yeah card. yeah please list in the comments and list out some cool synergies you see we couldn't cover every card we're just not gonna have time yeah uh, we'd fall so far behind the other cards that are just being dropped on us yeah so help us fill in the gaps there and for everybody else talk about the cool stuff you see for the new cards from warhammer 40,000. Thousand, and a thousand thanks for using our promo code at cardkingdom.com slash command we're back with card kingdom we couldn't be happier they have great shipping great service and they have a huge inventory so many cards from the history of magic sometimes you don't get all of them from a single store your lgs might be missing something Card Kingdom has them all in one handy dandy place. They also will do great sales on things like they'll do like cool like pre-built decks to learn magic from. So even if you're a novice player looking to get into the game, Card Kingdom is going to have something for you. So check it out. CardKingdom.com slash command and get the cards quickly because they have great service and it's very speedy. Yeah, and of course, once you get your hands on those cards, you don't want anything to happen to them. You want to keep them in great condition. Ultra Pro sponsors the show. They make the products that Jimmy and I trust our own collections to really do have all of my decks in Ultra Pro sleeves of some kind. Eclipse. I used to say they're all in Eclipse sleeves, but I actually have some in now the printed sleeves because oh, they, nice. so they, they have cool art. Yeah, and sometimes it's like, well, I've got this commander and I have this playmat and I want it all to match. So I've got mine in the Game Night sleeves that we sold in Kickstarter exclusively, and yep. those are made by Ultra Pro, so we trust them. And those have lasted a long time. I, I have my draft sleeves are the Game Night sleeves nice. that we made by Ultra Pro, and I've done 25 drafts or so with them, and they are still in just great shape. You, every once in a while, you just wipe them off a little, they get a little dirty, but besides that, like, yeah. they, they will protect your cards for a long, long time. So Ultra Pro really makes really high-quality stuff that's going to protect all of your game pieces. Go to ultrapro.com slash command. That's the best place to buy all of your Ultra Pro products besides your local game store. Correct. If you have an LGS that's near you, they're probably going to carry some amount of Ultra Pro products. We definitely want you to support local businesses, 
but if you can't find it there, ultrapro.com slash command is where you're definitely going to be able to find it because that's de- directly from ultrapro. Yeah, and that's what I did. I was like, I need to buy six binders. Yeah. And I want, and like my LGS you want them to match two, <laughs> you know, and it's like, okay, cool. I'm just going to get them all from one place and they happen to be, you know, 50% off or whatever just today. Yeah. Ultrapro uh, on that website has a lot of discounts, which is cool. All right. Um, thanks. Oh, oh no, we got to do the end else? step. Yeah. Oh, that's right. End step. I haven't done one of these in a while. Yeah, I've got one. Okay, go for it. It's time for the inset where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. We don't, we haven't done this a, a lot lately because inset reviews are so long. We tend not to do them. Yeah, I've got a cool show that I've been watching. Oh, there's lots of them out right now. Oh, there are so many. Um, yeah, I won't talk about the obvious ones, but there's a show on Hulu and it's called Welcome to Wrexham. Have you heard about this Wrexham? show? Oh, it's about the football league, the Premier League. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Ryan Reynolds. And Rob McElhenney. From It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, and also from, what is it, Raven's Banquet or Mythic Quest. Right, right, Mythic Quest, totally. uh, Ashley Birch. Yep. Good friend of the show. So they, Ryan and Rob teamed up to buy like a, it's kind of like a minor league uh, soccer. We're going to call it soccer in the United States. Right, not Premier League. (laughs) Yeah, football team in the UK, in Wales. Uh Uh-huh. And they just decide, they don't know a lot about football or soccer, but it's kind of like, you know, they are wealthy people that, decided that like oh well they probably can't afford like you know a big a premier league team or whatever but yeah and they're gonna buy it and try and fix it up and try and the way that um soccer works in europe is or that you you at the end of the season if you are the best team you move up into a a better league right and if you're among the worst teams you move down and so they're gonna try and take this team and get it up to the premier league or get it towards the premier league or whatever wow and uh it's just kind of like one of those wish for familiar things where it looks really fun to do. To yeah. Like <laughs> if you ever dreamed of owning a soccer team, yeah. now's your chance. Or just a sports team in general. It's like I used to play baseball all-stars on right. like the Nintendo and it feels <laughs> like they're kind of getting to do And they're nice guys. Like at least for the show, they're doing a reality show around right. it. That's what this is about. You know, they're helping. The, you're, they're doing things for the community and other things are coming up. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah. It's great that they're making a reality show while they're doing it because it kind of does force them to do things like that. Do little. Yeah. They cool, can't just ha- not really put effort into it. They got to actually try right and they have to be nice to the community and they have to do things like upgrade the stadium and make it more you know wheelchair accessible and like have little you know events in the town and they do little you know they interview and follow around people who've been fans of the team for a while and you really get to know like you know Wrexham is kind of a a medium-sized town by american standards but that's cute yeah but it's cool you kind of get to know the people in the town you get to know the players a little bit and yeah i've really enjoyed the show it's still going on as far as i know at the time you're watching this so welcome to Wrexham. you can find it on hulu yeah you cannot beat the pr capability of ryan reynolds oh my gosh he is crazy he like yeah tiktok twitter did you see him the hugh jackman thing oh yeah so like my goodness man what I've realized by watching the show, because we do a reality show, right? Game Nights is a reality show. Yeah. Is that Ryan Reynolds just has a team of writers walking around. There's clearly a team of writers oh, walking with him at all times because there's no way the guy is that snappy at all times. <laughs> you know, there's somebody saying, say this. There's got to be. There's got to be. I have to believe that. Got to check the footage. Roll yeah. the tape. Yeah. All right. Big thanks to our amazing team here at the command. Oh, wait. What's it called again? Welcome to... Welcome to Wrexham. W-R-E-X-H-A-M. Hey, how'd you know that? Uh, I saw a picture or something online. and you, the, the one sheet just flashed in your mind? Yeah, I thought, oh, That's Ryan impressive. Reynolds, so, yeah. Well, it also makes sense. I think I knew that town existed beforehand. Okay. All right. Big thanks to our amazing team here at the Command Zone. Damon Lenz, Arthur Meadowcroft, Ashlyn Rose, Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Craig Blanchett, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nan, Jordan Bridgen, Sam Waldo, Grav Galati, Truck Ty, Jamie Block, Mitch Trapper, and Evan Limberger. And special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for the Lim Card and 
animations that begin our show. You can find him on Twitter at LivingCardsMTG. All right, everyone, go conquer the known universe. Yeah, Warhammer cards. In the grim <laughs> darkness of right now, go buy these cards and wage war across the galaxy. Blood for the blood god! Uh, for the Imperium. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.